When you just can't cancel your subscription to Red Card Weekly, it's Not So MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Oh, you went in a different direction than I thought. That was good. I like that one. <laughs> Mike Pecky, uh, somebody signed him up for uh the newest publication of this soccer season well it's like what um, was that is like what was it? is it random <laughs> no what was the like cd subscription service in the 90s columbia, columbia house, house. <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to drain my bank account <laughs> the first two red cards are free the first two red cards are free <laughs> but for every week for every week hereafter yeah yeah Mm-hmm. It was a great week of games. I uh, there was a moment just on uh, on Saturday as I was doing my comings and goings where I flipped the zone on and the the automatic game that it turned on first was the RSL one and I just the only, the first thing that I saw was that red card in the in the score display and I was like not again. <laughs> yeah, truly, they just can't seem. Well, they kind of do it to themselves. So are we? Get, do you want to start there? Let's start there. All right. So we're talking about the Dallas 4-2 win over Real Salt Lake. And, of course, the red card that we're mentioning is just this kind of silly headbutt that really doesn't have a lot in it from Demir Krylak as he sort of stands up off the ground. But for me, at least, it seems like it's if you do that kind of motion towards a player, the player is always going to hit the deck clutching his forehead and just seems like a really silly thing to do in the like it's like not even 30 minutes into the game i don't think uh the one thing that i can definitely say is that i've never seen a headbutt uppercut uh, a headbutt uppercut before this moment yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> which is not something i'm used to really seeing. a skill if you're taller than the person you're headbutting as well so so essentially uh early on a first minute goal uh from dallas as they uh, are sort of able to uh, effortlessly pass through the Real Salt Lake uh, uh, defense, the the red card in question, I think, is what happens. Like it looks like he was taken down. Yeah. And in his on in, in his frustration about what happens, he sort of comes up, and like you said, intentionally or not, in terms of him making that motion, and it does look like there was contact. Yeah. But it was like, was it was it a part of the, you know, we talk about uh, intent all the time when it comes to handballs. It's like, what was the intent of his standing up? Well, his head, his <laughs> head was in an unnatural position. Um, yes. I mean, I think he's just trying to do the thing that soccer players do where they get in each other's faces and they go forehead to forehead. And he's essentially trying to do that. But again, it's just, it's a silly move to make. Especially he definitely so, so, got in his face. So early into the game. And it's the kind of thing with the referee standing behind him that it's pretty easy. Like, you're just making it too easy for the referee to call. Now, is he? It's a, maybe a little bit harsh. However, you know, there's so many different times where you could say that it's a, a very clear red card and you kind of have to give it. So I think, honestly, this is sort of RSL's own undoing here. They have been unlucky on some of these red card calls, but... Ultimately, I think it's up to the team to, to try to remain disciplined and to do something like that so early into the game when you're already a goal down uh, is just silliness for me. 
on the 17th minute. I think it might speak a little bit to frustration. I think that one thing is one thing that is interesting, and this is what um, four and three games, mm-hmm. four and five. It's like there was there the uh, it was straight games, and then the first game was uh, was two red cards. Yeah. So, um, however many however however many reds it is, um, <laughs> it's the, but they all seem to be coming differently. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they. They're all dodgy handballs. Or yeah, we're not talking I mean? like about it's... like four horrendous, you know, two-footed challenges going in. However, this is also a team that had uh, a very high number of red cards last year as well. Now, I have a theory, and it's partly because RSL seems to somehow play better with fewer players on the pitch because <laughs> they actually kind of get themselves back into this game after this. So I'm, I don't That's know right. if it's sort of like this weird... Um, kind of like reverse psychology they thing do they do to themselves but it's just not disciplined enough for me and if you're struggling to keep 11 players on the pitch every week then you know you're you're going to lose games especially against a fast Dallas team like this you just have to keep your head a little bit more absolutely um i thought that uh um like you said with that Jefferson Savarino goal it's like it's like they're used. To, they're so much more used to this now. Yeah. In this way. Yeah. Truly. Uh, uh, with with Savarino scoring from the top of the box, uh, Dallas reply in a goal. I thought it was a really, really like uh, interesting move uh, from I believe Paxton Pomical, where he catches across and he's sort of able. Like he, it looks like he catches it sort of with his midsection or his legs. And he's able to turn while falling with the ball. Mm-hmm. That was a unique one. Yeah, a great game from Pomical to, to get his two goals back-to-back. And then um, it's uh, Marcelo Silva who gets one back and makes it 3-2. And then everything just sort of falls apart a couple of minutes later and Dallas hang on for the win here. Before Before we get to Silva, though... We have to talk about uh, so so that that Dallas the the Pomical, the first Pomical goal makes it two one the thirty one goal. Speaking of, of unique scenarios, is what uh, the high what the 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 commentator describes as a left butt cheek deflection. Yes, <laughs> which I thought was a was a incredibly accurate way of describing what was a was a shot from Pomical that that, that sort of uh, again. Did, indeed, did hit the posterior, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was sort of butt butted into goal. There was a head butt earlier, and then there was a butt butt. Is, doesn't that just make it a butter a butted? I guess. I guess. You just butted it. So Cry- Crylock <laughs> with a head butt, and then Pomical with a butt butt. <laughs> uh, what defender you, was it? You can't. What defender was it too? Because it was. Stuff. It was another. It was another RSL player. It was another RSL player, so lots of lots of butts on RSL. Yeah, um, but great match from Pomical, the nineteen-year-old midfielder, um, ha- continues to excel. For me, it, this just goes to show that um, Dallas still ha- just has so much attacking pace and can really, really punish teams. And literally, I mean, in the first forty seconds, you fall asleep for one moment, and they're just going to cruise through you and score. Overall, RSL, I think, has stuff they can tidy up defensively. Their shape really gets pulled out quite a bit, but 
I have to say mm-hmm. this wasn't a terribly surprising uh, result. My, the only surprise here for me is the fact that RSL managed to get themselves back into this game with a bit of fight with being a man down, but as we said, they seem to be getting kind of used to that. Uh, I feel like maybe the way that you talk about the fight, it's like, hmm. The the other thing that you could note about this goal um, that that Silva scores uh, to get to to get RSL back into the game onto the onto two three, um, rising up from uh, rising up for what was mostly a, an unguarded header, or at least just maybe Silva just was able to to, to attain that uh, that uh, elevation. That heart that happened uh, two minutes after the previous goal, so it's like. They were able to score pretty soon after the red card, and they were able to score right after the goal. So it's almost as if, like, their ability to apply themselves just in ordinary play is the the focus is maybe not necessarily there, mm-hmm. but the reflex is where they think, "Oh, we got it, guys! We gotta pick this back up." They're 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 great at picking themselves back up, but then they have to make that sort of second push to. Uh, to try and, and, and equalize and, and to take the game. Yeah, and as we saw last year in the playoffs, is they, they are a great team with their backs against the wall. Um, they're a great underdog team. The question remains going forward, can they tidy things up and strengthen the squad enough so that they're not having to have their backs against the wall but can be on the front foot and be um, a, a really uh, forbidding opponent from the get-go? Uh, elsewhere... The, the, the week kind of kicked off with a pronounced victory by our good old friends Toronto FC. Yeah. Who seemed to want to draw a line under the statement. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I was going to say his name and then who. And I legitimately just got forgot Giovinco's name. <laughs> which is perhaps he's, <laughs> really he's under... Gone. Giovinco, he's gone! Giovinco who... I literally forgot his name because Pozuelo has come in, the Spaniard, and just erased all memory of the Atomic Ant with the cheekiest of debuts. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Sean Johnson make a lot of people look like fools. It is very hard to make that man look like a fool. Um, But Pozuelo certainly did. It's the kind of thing you just have to feel bad for a goalkeeper in that situation because they really have no chance and you're really just caught stumbling backwards, flailing, trying to do anything to keep that ball out. Um, I was a little bit surprised in this game that VAR was used so much. I thought the calls that were made were fairly obvious. It was interesting to me that the referee felt they needed to go to to VAR a few times in this match, but uh, I think that ultimately the calls were... Uh, confirmed correct with that, so that's fine. Great to see Jay Chapman continuing his his rise. The the young kid continues to perform. The only other point I just have here is New York City played like absolute garbage. Now, mm-hmm. take nothing away from Toronto's ability in this game, the six goals they scored and the four that were allowed, but New York City just looked absolutely hopeless. Completely out of uh, defensive order, and with very, very little brought to the game. Um, it's an uncharacteristically just uh, a New York City FC side that really looks kind of without ideas. Um, 
elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, a team that was able to finally put together a performance. Now, not an exhilarating game, and I don't have too much to say about it, but Chicago Fire was able to get a win beating New York Red Bulls. Did this game surprise you? I was a little surprised. I was surprised the extent to which um, Chicago were completely the the protagonists of this game. Yeah. Um, because even on the road, Red Bulls usually have more of an opportunity to impress themselves on a game. But but from from what I was looking at, um, from from the, the the highlights that I was able to see, and I see unfortunately it wasn't credited to Nemanja Nikolic, but it really seemed like a uh, like. Uh, an expression of early in the season so far, we've we've seen great sparks from uh, Alexander Gatai and um, CJ Sapan, yeah. and we've wondered where is Nikolic in all this. And it seems like he had um, express. It, it looked almost like he was frustrated in the same dimension. He really wanted to get himself on the score sheet. Um, he had, I believe, a goal that was disallowed for offside. No, no, he. He's he's played on and, and he tries to chip the the, the keeper, but um, but Robles is able to uh, to save it upwards. Mm. But then again, he comes by, he hits this bicycle kick that comes off the post, and I guess it bounces off Parker. It almost yeah. looks like Parker is trying to. I wouldn't really even blame it on on Parker because no, it's like, no, no, it's a very very unfortunate bounce. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think Nicholas yeah. will care too much. Um, I'm sure, I mean, the way he fell down to his knees to celebrate the goal, I think it was just a sigh of relief that, look, <laughs> it's his it's his fault, ultimately, that the ball went in. He's not getting the credit yes. for the goal, but I'm, you know, I don't think he cares at this point, except that he got his team a goal. A very positive performance. The thing for me that underscores this match is that, uh, overall, it was a really solid performance from the fire. They still obviously have a lot of kinks to work out. Uh, the Red Bulls, again, just looked really, really sloppy, despite having all their starters there. Um, the fact yeah. that Royer was pulled off relatively early into the match said a lot to me that he had produced nothing, whereas the week before he'd been electric. Um, I don't think it's going to cause the Red Bulls too much grief, but um, they're still looking kind of in preseason mode. I imagine they will be able to shake out of that. But it was a really promising result from the Fire, who we've talked about them really needing to bring something else to their game, and this was one where they finally just tidied up some of the individual mistakes and just kept pushing, remained defensively solid. It wasn't a pretty performance, but they got themselves three points and are finally on the board this season. So my hat's off to the Fire. No doubt. Another surprising result I felt uh, in the Eastern Conference. Well, not a surprising, but a team, like you said, breaking through um, is New England getting their uh, 2-1 win over Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, you had here, um, I think that what uh, what has frustrated me as much as anything else about New England is 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 how fun they looked at times last season. Yeah. Um, and, and how that sort of atmosphere of... of of interchangeable scoring opportunities seemed to not be uh, be taking place this uh, so far this year. I saw a lot more of that. Um, much better. You see uh, in the first goal, uh, Anababa's calling for the, the ball because he, I guess he sees a seam that nobody else does on the left-hand side, and he sort of manages to <laughs> fall forward. Fall, it's a header, but it's like 
by the time that he heads the ball, it's like his head is a foot off the ground. Yeah, and I, that was a point that stood out to me as well. But your your note is correct in that he's he's calling for it, but he, he sort of realizes, oh, well, I've called for it now, so I better make sure this goes in. Just this brilliant, sprawling dive where his head is almost on the deck to get it in. And just sort of out of mm-hmm. sheer force of will is able to get it in. The defender isn't seeing him there, not tracking back. Um, it's good. It was just good to see some fight from New England. They've looked really, yeah. really soft in the opening stages of the season, and so it was nice to see them uh, with a bit of a grittier performance to, and take advantage of a, a very just disorganized Minnesota side. I was a little bit curious to see Minnesota so out of sorts when they've looked much better in the early goings. Um, I thought it was a pretty fortunate penalty kick from an accidental handball that looks really bad in slow motion, but given how close the player is to the ball, I'm not sure with a guy pushing him from behind what he's really supposed to do with his hands, but fair enough. I guess you have to call it a a PK. Of course, Quintero doesn't really make many mistakes when it comes to those. But it was, no. And then it was good to see that it, the Revs were able to, to still fight back and ultimately win this one. Yeah, the, the goal that they score, uh, the second goal, which is um, uh, Teal. Teal, who, who didn't necessarily have the best game or, like, or didn't necessarily like, like, like have a, a, a lot of chances that I saw. Um takes what really kind of it seems like he's in a really prime position and, and spills it wide a little bit but it is um picked right up and uh, uh, by Brandon by who is manages to squeak it in at a very very tight angle yes a uh, very 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 tight angle uh, I think this is sort of one of those like accidental crosses where I think teal is trying to do a tight angled shot and instead just flashes it across goal but Brandon By is able to get himself into the position and again Minnesota just not tracking back and, and there for that second ball and that's something where we've seen them get punished time and time again. Now they're still looking overall certainly much better than last season however they seem to really kind of give up a little bit too easily in this one and I imagine we'll be kicking themselves for uh, losing all three points. Speaking of tight angles, um, DC United went away to Orlando and uh, and won two one. You have uh, uh, they they go down early with a with a great early set piece goal that or no sorry they scored first with a set piece goal that had Rowe couldn't believe that the header was unmarked. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> very frustrated that 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 uh, he was that that had happened early. Uh, Nani with another great early chance. He's been looking good, but Rooney, Rooney gets this free kick. I feel like um, we've complained before about the sort of MLS marketing engine. Yeah. Um, spot uh, highlighting sort of their favorite players. We've softened a little bit because, well, obviously Rooney and, and Ibrahimovic are the real deals. Uh, but they try to call this one an Olympico, uh-uh. and, which is an Olympico is a is a, a, a goal scored directly from a corner kick. 
Yeah. Um, and the free kick is very, let's be real, it, it's very oppressive. I'm not trying to say it's not oppressive. It's about, it's, it's about like, you know, uh, like eight, ten yards off the, the byline and like very, very close to the sideline. Yeah. Um, and he hits this phenomenal ball that goes up and over the defense and in. it was very, very impressive. Um, it was somewhat easier than an Olympico because it wasn't an Olympico. <laughs> Yes. Very good goal. Very impressive. I think DC or Orlando was a little bit hard done by here because I think the, the foul call that leads up to that isn't actually a foul. Um, I, they, they looked at it and somehow still deemed it was a foul. I think it's because Dwyer's coming in with two feet up. So they're sort of calling the intent to foul, I guess. Um, but mm. I thought it was a fair challenge. A little bit aggressive and late perhaps, but uh, I think DC was very fortunate to get this one. However, as we always say, I mean, sure, if you're fortunate enough to get the call, then you have to do something with it, which Rooney does. And if you're unfortunate enough to have the call go against you, then you have to ensure that things like this don't happen. Um, the difference here for me was defensively, we're still seeing an Orlando that's showing a little bit more grit. Yes, the early goal is given up, I think, too easily. Um, Birnbaum mm. gets a, a rare defender's goal. Also, congratulations to him, because he gave up the news that him and his wife are expecting a child. But, I mean, you got nice. you got to celebrate that way if you, you know, you're not scoring too many goals with your Birnbaum. No. Um, of course. For me, the really bright spot here was Chris Mueller um, for Orlando. Yeah just had a hell of a game. I mean, he did everything but score a goal and came very close on two chances late into the game. So I still think, you know, Orlando will be kicking themselves that they didn't get something out of this match. However, it really can't be underscored, like, how good DC is playing right now. And for Orlando to even be in this game at all, to have any skin in the game, would have been totally laughable even a few weeks ago. So it says a lot about how far they've come and how much further I think they can improve this season that, again, is going to make the Eastern Conference a much more challenging atmosphere when Orlando's beginning to take points off of and make it difficult. Sporting Kansas City just looks like on their day, there's no team more threatening than them, except perhaps LAFC. (laughs) I wanted to call out just 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 before we move off of Montreal the the thing that made their second and a half performance so frustrating to me is all of the so the first half is really like you know they're getting overrun they're not moving fast enough to it when the uh, the direction changes but you have Camacho trying to to hit this trying to do this poke check against Russell that's so feeble Rudy Camacho gets blown by so easily you have um on the uh on the busio goal i can't remember who is trying to somebody is trying to dribble the ball through him yeah like he's standing yeah. on the top of the area yeah. and a defender seems to be like was completely that, that ignore that he's there cabrera? i think cabrera i think it was he, cabrera he, yes like why are you doing why are you dribbling a square ball across the top of your 18 like it's just phenomenally stupid <laughs> the seventh ball, the seventh goal, is a pass through midfield. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the defenders are passing through midfield, and are in 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 uh, Sporting Kansas City gets it, knocks it forward, uh, and the moment they're able to get it again, just because maybe Montreal is so sh- shell shocked or what, there's so little uptake that the moment that they become in possession, they're able to to spring that scoring play, but it all comes from again uh, a really a really feeble um, pass in the midfield. There is so many. There were so many mistakes. We often get on defenders for not reacting enough or, or ball watching, um, but in the second half year, there were just so much. There was so much sloppy stuff. Yeah, real, anyway, real so, bad. So luck, lucky, like it, it's Kansas lucky City, that neither of us got worked up about it. <laughs> it like sporting Kansas City, I'm done uh, piling on uh, <laughs> Montreal. That, Let's talk. That's about our LAFC. SKC equivalent of commentary on that one. <laughs> too long didn't read is we didn't like it. LAFC <laughs> does the same thing. I mean, and really, we don't need to to pile too much on this one. Um, this is one of those ones, one of those results. When you see five nothing, you go, "Well, was LAFC that good, or was San Jose just that bad?" And like some of the other games we've seen so far this season, we can say, "Well, a little bit of both." Yeah. Um, yep. Definitely agree. I'm just that fourth goal from Carlos Vela. Hmm. That the, his the the icing on his cake of his hat trick. I mean, that goal. No one, no team, no goalkeeper is going to stop that. That is absolutely just a thing of beauty. Um, I'm going to say a thing, and I want to know what your thoughts on it is. Are um, San Jose's season is finished. <laughs> Real early. We're just in March. Yeah. March just ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to. I'm going to put up as as no, I'm be- as I'm little being as, a little inflammatory, but but hey, what I'm now I'm responding as little as San Jose has earned done to earn this optimism. Um, <laughs> anybody, any any team can turn it around in uh, in the summer. Depending on what the signings are, in, and and I don't know, I don't know if there's a start bad enough. Um, they might have found it. I don't know that there's a start bad enough to um, to doom you uh, after what four games if they don't if there isn't uh, if there is some sort of you know dramatic improvement in the middle of the season. But certainly, this team as it is currently constituted looks already done like they don't they didn't come to play like they just it's like they aren't there and and exactly and i agree exactly with everything you said my my worry here is that change is not going to come and i say this because uh, i did some digging because ultimately my question my real question to you was is there any hope for san jose and so i thought well if i'm going to ask you i have to do some research for myself so I did some digging and I looked at some San Jose fan accounts and what I found was that there is basically an all-out mutiny against the team's owner right now, including oh. protests in front of the front office this week where staff from the front office actually had to come out and be like, we agree with you guys 100% that the owner is refusing to spend money and buy players and that ultimately the fans aren't blaming Almeida and they're not even blaming the players on the pitch. It's just that this team as we kind of said, really didn't do anything to significantly improve their squad over the summer. If there were some significant change coming, 
then of course any team could turn things around. But this team, in its current form, as it stands, I don't see a single Eastern or Western Conference team that they can possibly beat right now. And my other worry for them is that they've piled every, the the hill to climb is so huge now. Now, of course, we've seen teams that you get one win and maybe you're able to claw your way out of it. But they just had absolutely nothing to offer in this game. Granted, LAFC played phenomenally well. All of their goals were great uh, team efforts again. Their pace was absolutely dazzling. Their finishing was dazzling. But for, from San Jose's perspective, they, they have no answers. And I, I'm beginning to feel really bad for the players on the pitch too because it's not the same kind of unacceptable performance that we've seen that we saw from Montreal. The players are out there trying. Um, they just don't have enough quality on their side. I when you when you look at that, um, I'm really, of course, our, our thoughts are with those those things. It's great to see that there is that response in the ownership. Much was made uh, earlier this week of those comments from Brad Friedel saying, "Oh, well, there's not enough pressure. It doesn't matter when teams lose." Echoing the Tyrone Muir points, the uh, what did Friedel say? Something along the lines of like, you know, people aren't waiting to come beat you up or whatever else. Yeah, and- a sentiment, a sentiment I incredibly entirely repudiate. Yeah, but also is repudiated by stuff like this protest. It's not. No, nobody's gonna go. Nobody is gonna go firebomb your car because you didn't win a game. Yeah, that, that's that, fine. That that's okay. Else. But that's but. That, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Not that I, not that happens anywhere else, but that's what kind of bothers me about these quotes from Friedel and Tyrell Mears when they say that you know people don't care. It's like the the things that they they think of as quantifying caring are so psychotic. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know what they're looking for. I'm yeah. Great, go play I'm, for Boca Juniors then. Be gone. Enjoy. Enjoy your time getting glass smashed in your face on a bus. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm very, grateful very to see that response. I am too. And, and my, my heart honestly goes out to the players and to the, um, to the, to the staff and to the players, because I, I do see a team that's trying here. I see a coach that's trying, but what do you do when all you have is the pieces that are put in front of you? And they weren't given the funds to significantly improve their squad. So they weren't able to, they've got talented players they've got players that are out there trying to get a result um but this it's starting to feel like we're watching you know Sunderland till I die here is this is a team being held hostage by an owner who seems totally fine to just watch their team get slaughtered every week who runs uh, earthquakes LLC right now who's who is the owner do we know a chap named Fisher I believe mm-hmm it's 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 tough. You want to see, um, you want to see the the team uh, succeed and thrive. Um, you want to see who's the the GM is is a guy called Jesse Fiorinelli. I see. I don't know. If, obviously, that doesn't um, affect investment because you know that person will still only be able to uh, to use the funds that he has in 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 hand. But yes, John J. Fisher have... is the man receiving the the, the ire. I believe. I don't know if there is. They, it's it's always tough to rule in, in in these ownership situations because because you don't really know the the realities of of the sort of the 
the hashtag key business indicators. Sure. But but I would always say in a scenario like this, if you're a team that like San Jose who lost their their initial team um when it was uh when it was moved to to Houston and and have had this resurgence, I think that it's incumbent upon them to um to work with that community of fans and staff um that do care quite a deal a, a great deal for the team mm-hmm. um to find better find better financial support or or find some way to work together in order to um in order to sort of you know build a little hope absolutely uh, unfortunately, um, we got to move on because we got lots of games. We got to move on. Um, the uh, uh, since so we do we want to go to 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 rainy rainy Ohio? Let's do it. Uh, this is a game that I saw a little bit of on Saturday night, and it was hilarious to me. Columbus two nothing Atlanta. Um, first goal came in a in a. It was starting to rain, but it wasn't too bad. Nobody was on the far post. You sent me a, you sent me a screenshot of one of our very early, one of our early episodes titled "Defend the Far Post." Yeah. Um, defensive, uh, a, a great defensive tackle spot, uh, spilled over to the open attacker for the uh, for that goal, and that was when the game made sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's already sloppy by the 30th minute when when Zardes scores while he's still flanked by three defenders because he's able to execute this little move where he, he can duck slightly out of coverage. Um, by after that point, sloshing it's just silly. The there the the balls the ball is sloshing everywhere. Every little movement is kicking up so much water from the pitch. You can see it from a distance. It's waterlogged. Um, no, nothing is moving the way you expect it to. And that was after waiting, I think, the better part of an hour. They, oh, did they? Called the, was the, that true? They called the game off around the 30th minute. I think there was some lightning in the area and, and just the rain. They called it off. They went out and squeegeed the field. So that's after they squeegeed the field that Lake, oh, no. Lake Mopfrey formed. Um, uh, yeah, there's not... T- Okay, the game was completely redonkulous. That is the most rain I have ever seen anywhere, <laughs> let alone in an MLS game. However, Columbus came to play, and they absolutely deserve to win. Two reasons why. First of all, Pedro Santos just continues to be just this crafty little difference maker for them. Again, he gets that first goal. Absolutely deserved. Um, Zach Steffen... Um, his saves are so amazing. Even Barco at one point is just like covering his mouth, being like, "How did, how did you, how do you do that? How do you drop down that quick?" I mean, Zach Steffen is waterlogged at that point, and he still manages two amazing saves in this match. Um, hmm. But because Atlanta's playing this very flat back line, and I'm not sure if it's because they're trying to play an offside trap or have their front four collapse into it to form a bank of eight or what it is, it means that Zardes can just take this big step backwards off of the back four, and there's this huge gap between him and the midfielders because of this really flat back line, 
and makes himself completely open with this really clever little backstep. Um, so for me, this is absolutely a deserved win from Columbus. The Atlanta fans and commentators were furious that this game was allowed to continue and finish. However, the game was finished before the heavens opened up, I would say. Um, no doubt. This game should have been called off, but Columbus won it fair and square. Atlanta left scratching their heads with uh, much to answer to early into the season, still seeming to just not have the right ingredients to come up with a win. But um, it still wasn't uh, It wasn't very pretty to watch. It was just hilarious that it was even happening. Brad Guzan um, at one point is talking to the refs, and he points up the, at the sky like, can you believe this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you believe this? He, he saves – there's a penalty called, and again, Zardes is half-slipping is the reason why he's done it because he's lost his footing and he clatters into a player. Uh, Guzan saves the penalty, which I thought was was well taken. It wasn't – It wasn't. there was nothing wrong that I saw about it like it scuffed or anything. But the water is splashing around him like he's playing water polo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of my – all of my respect and admiration to the players that were out there and all the fans, the the seventy or so fans that were still in the in the in the wide open stands. That's not necessarily true, but I looked at the the broad stands. Yeah. It kind of looked like it was in the. And that's one of those games where you can just go fair enough. Uh, no, no discredit to the fans that decided to just head for higher ground out of their own safety. Right. I just have my admiration. My admiration goes out to everybody. Everybody that was in that stance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stand at that point, that I'm, I don't care who's on the pitch. I'm heading home. Um, elsewhere, uh, in the same sto- in the same storm. In the, in the same storm, uh, Cincinnati has <laughs> been doing ever so well. Fortunes were not favoring them. Very little offensive uh, chances created, and Philadelphia is able to just kind of slowly walk over them. I don't have too much to say about this game beyond it was. Nice to see the Union um, continue to put together another solid performance. And I think Cincinnati was a little bit unfortunate to be missing Kendall Waston from this game um, because defensively they really didn't look very strong. Um, But again, miserable conditions to play in. Similar result. Two zip. Another great game from uh, David Akam. Another great game from David Akam. Seems to be very happy in his new home. Who, uh, Who gets his goal. Um, the, uh, we've also got, um, LA two, LA two, Portland one. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch this. I don't know when this started. LA is now playing in Dignity Health Sports Park. Oh, I missed that too it's, somehow. It's, uh, the, the new name of the same facility that they played oh. in, which is, which is such a phenomenal facility that. Like like that has on site like a like a tennis slash slash boxing arena that seats four thousand and it's like a huge sports complex. It has had the worst luck in terms of name quality over its over its time as a thing because it's like the Home Depot Center, the StubHub Center, and now the Dignity Health Sports Park. Yeah, well, for a team named Galaxy, what can you hope for, really? A local, uh, privately, a local, uh, a local hospital operation facility. So, just reminding you about the the realities of uh, American healthcare uh, at every game. Yeah. Um, 
this one, I mean, credit to LA Galaxy for winning a game. Um, but a, a game that's one off of two penalty calls, two goals from Zlatan. Um, Zlatan came to show that, yes, he can also score a Panenka and continue to do his thing. I thought the second PK was uh, kind of fortunate. However, if you're going to run through the back of a player like Zlatan, yeah, it's kind of hard to knock down a 6-4 player. But uh, I'm okay with it being a penalty call. Bobasi gets back on the board to get something out of it, but in Portland, for me, just kind of gave this one to LA Galaxy. My only real point out of this game is just, can the Galaxy win without Zlatan or penalty kicks? And is Zlatan going to be coming to Vancouver? Zlatan, the uh, the the world leader in uh, the world leader in getting himself into penalty situation into into foul situations. Yeah. Um, I thought that that goal from from Portland. You're you're right that you know, even if either of them, you could look, you could examine the letter of the law and think that it was it was where you, it was correctly given. Um, it does seem a little fortunate on their behalf, and, and Portland displayed the the flash that showed that they were not uh, um, like they it, they brought something to this game. Uh, it's just that they were a little unfortunate. Um, I thought that that was also the Abobasi goal was perhaps the best goal scored in a loss this week, or no, the best goal of the week I think scored in a loss. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I was amazed too. I mean they. Galaxy defense has left something to be desired for a couple of years now, but Portland, I mean, there's just four or five crisp, clean passes that just absolutely shreds their defense. Um, and Abobasi just needs to be in the right place to finish it, and does ever so calmly, um, and with a big punctuation mark. So it was unfortunate that the Timbers weren't able to, to grab a point out of this one, but I ultimately, I feel like they kind of did it to themselves. So positive sort of to see from them but I don't think it really tells mm. us too much about either side at this point in the season um Houston uh steamroll Colorado 4-1 yeah uh, a, a, a slick pass in the fourth minute for the first goal really just has the defender spooked uh the there's then an own goal as well um Houston's always moving Colorado doesn't have a uh doesn't seem to be able to res respond with a lot um, there, there is a penalty. Uh, Kai Kamara scores it, I believe. Were they saying to move into fifth uh, all time? Is that what they're saying in uh, in commentary? I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Fifth all time goals. After a really hair, uh, like a, a careless handball where somebody's hands go up as he's making a jump. Yeah. Um, uh, Colorado's Tommy Smith is also subscribed to Red Card Weekly. Sure is. Um, and uh, and comes in with another one of those. As you said with Dwyer, uh, like a a two foot tackle where it's like none of the neither of the feet find um, shin, but it just is is judged as is far too dangerous. Yeah, and I, I ultimately, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that being a call. Um, you know, outside of the consolation penalty from Kamara, just very very defensively soft performance from them, where they've bend bent in previous weeks, they really broke in this one. I agree with your sentiment, but they just seemed a little bit spooked by it. Um, Houston, their defense at times looked awfully scrambled eggs as well, but they were able to hold on, again, just because of the incredible pace that they have. Um, 
uh, and ultimately, my point to Colorado is, you know, own goals happen when you get yourself into poor spaces and at the wrong time. And they did it not once but twice. So I think ultimately this is kind of one where you just have to go. I, this was another example where a team just handed their opponents the win. However, Houston stayed with it to really punish teams. And how good is Elise right now to just dribble, so dribble through people at will? Um, you know, we talk so much about his speed, but his speed on the ball as well is just dazzling. I mean, he really rips through defenders in this one and makes them look quite silly. But there is... Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. After an, inter- after a, a, an interesting but um, not the most productive 2018 season, um, Houston really is... Uh, the work that Houston is doing is is showing on the uh, in the standings as they now sit third with 10 points. Absolutely. And... Again, well, they're a team that still gives up some sloppy goals and defensively doesn't always look really strong. These are the types of performances that you want to be putting in early in the season because then it affords you some of that, you know, if you have the, a case of the summer lulls and you give up some points here or there, you're not in such a bad position where we talked earlier in the program about New York City dropping so many points early on. I mean, Houston is ma- taking some of that weight off themselves by just... These are the types of games they should be winning, and they are. And so the defensive things you can iron out, but it's really difficult when you're not scoring any goals at all. And, you know, if Houston's production rate drops off a little bit, they're still in a really good position. Now, a team that uh, for whom uh, that managed to, to make it despite not scoring any goals at all uh, is the Vancouver Whitecaps, who... Um, I think after what has been a really frustrating start to the season, um, came off with a uh, a great performance in their first point of the season. Even though it is a nil-nil draw, um, you and I uh, talked off, off mic last week, and we were terrified. Yeah, I almost wish we'd recorded that conversation now, because both of us <laughs> were just had this, like, defeated sort of like you were a little bit more optimistic than I as usual but uh, both of us were not feeling it for playing against Seattle especially given their performance last week I was ecstatic after this match Um, I said to my friend Travis going into it I was like you know I will take 0-0 and I as a fan it kind of sucks to see a boring game but that's probably the way they need to play and that's the way they played I thought it was an absolutely brilliant tactical performance from them um, to just buckle up and they had this incredibly organized defensive shape. I should have taken better pictures at the game of it but you just saw this bank of four and then a bank of five and the way the bank of five midfielders was able to slot back into that bank of four to just create this wall was a thing of beauty. That shape with very little deviation held strong for the entire game. It pulled a little bit right, it pulled a little bit left at times um, with the play, but overall defensively, this was a really, really strong performance from Vancouver. Yes, not the most exciting soccer game to watch, and you know, a nil-nil draw is not what you dream of as a soccer fan. But it's the result that they needed to get to to get things going the right way for them this season. Um, and you can see the frustration from Brian Smetzer and the Seattle Sounders that this really was a game they expected to win as well. And he, you like you know that's one thing I said. It's like I when I 
when I was looking at the highlights, I thought it was a five nothing game, not a seven one game. But I looked at the and I thought that could have been the the Montreal game could have been this game. Uh, it's you know yeah. uh, early as you're looking at it with with Vancouver seeming to have so little going for them and Seattle having so much going for them. But you're absolutely right about the defensive shape and that create that that I think sets up two things. One, when everybody is contributing and not creating pressure, um, you're freeing up McMath to come up with great shot stopping because he's not having to soak up all the pressure. Crepeau. Uh, Crepeau, yes, sorry. Crepeau is, Crepeau is able to... But I'm sure um, McMath would have been happy for the shape as well. And he, yes, as a goalkeeper, he, I thought a pleasing shape to see. <laughs> Crepeau, was, Crepeau was great, and I think that you put your goalkeepers in a better situation to succeed when they're not having to track down everybody and to try and constantly keep everybody organized, etc. And I think that that also applied to Daniel Henry, who had a couple of huge tackles. 100%. Henry got uh, MLS Team of the Week honors. I thought Eric Godoy had a great performance as well. Um, Henry got it because he had a, at least two shot-stopping blocks, one that he celebrated like he'd gotten a goal. Um, but Henry's been a monster so far this season. Um, you know, little mistakes here and there, but apparently, you know, Mark Dos Santos has seen it and had a chat with him. Monster performance from him. The two other defensive performances that stood out for me, um, Russell Tybert we saw in action, apparently had to have his shoulder frozen because his shoulder was separated going into the match. Um, I can't imagine. And MDS just said, like, you know, my heart says that I need to play you. And Tybert was like, freeze me up coach and put me in oh man for a player that for a player that missed the preseason he definitely wanted to take that chance uh, and the great thing for me to see out of that is the trust that i was a bit worried about where the place for tiber in this new look white caps would be considering he just signed a, um uh an extension of his contract and this is just proof of the um, the quality and the the need for a player of Tybert's tenacity that he, he just breaks up play, he's he works his tail off an entire game. I mean, and just the idea that you come in, like your shoulder is separated and your thought is, well, like, can you just throw a bunch of like Novocaine in it so I don't feel the pain at least for 60 minutes so I can go out and play? And then pulls off, off a performance like that is you know, otherworldly, probably not medically advisable, but great. Overall as a team though, it was just, it was a really good team performance. I know there was a lot of people who really wanted that uh, that final penalty call to stand, but the guys I was with, when we saw the ref point to the spot, we all just looked at each other and went like, don't review it, don't review it. I was pretty, I was pretty <laughs> close to it. It didn't look like a penalty. They showed the replay. It didn't look like a penalty. I've since seen the replay again. It doesn't look like a penalty. Um, was it a handball or was it a, just a just a regular? foul? It was just a regular foul. It's a it's a challenge that comes in on um, in bum, and it's it's late. But he he wins the ball. People are claiming well, it was similar to the call that went against Cornelius. I I, I guess sort of they're similar. Of course I would have been fine with the penalty, especially because there was four players standing over the ball to take the penalty, and they all walked away to let Adnan have it. Um, so I was totally ready for an Adnan penalty kick, but if we want to claim fairness, I think we have to say, like, look, yes, 
refs don't always get it right, and Vancouver hasn't been lucky on penalty calls this season, but that's not a penalty, so nil-nil is a fine result. For all the people, I I understand where people are asking for that sort of karmic payback from from uh, from disliked penalty calls or disliked calls in the past weeks, um, but the Whitecaps also had a, a sort of a phantom handball or sort of a, a, a real dangerous looking handball not called earlier. That's uh, true. And so I actually, I, like I didn't probably... see that until the the replay. And I think I agree that if we're going to talk karmic justice here, um, we may be, you know, yeah, I think we definitely got lucky out of that one. Cause that's the kind of call that we know going forward refs are going to start giving is that doesn't matter what the intent is or why or how, it's a handball in the box. It's a penalty. My funny part about this, all this was definitely, uh, I was at a birthday party and I step out. We've, we're moving. I, I was able to catch a great, a good chunk of the second half, uh, on a TV in the bar and we're in another location and I'm just refreshing my phone. It's not, it's like the 94th minute, 95th minute. I'm just like, will this game not end? Will it just end? I'm refreshing it, the score app, just like, and, and then it's just like, play out for review. And I'm no, I thought it was the other, I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, the, uh, uh, I thought it was a call against Vancouver. Oh, 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 right. Cause you were watching on the app. Yeah. And I was like, just my heart. I was like, no, you can't do this to me. Yeah, it came came mighty close, but I'll I'll happily take the point against I mean, against one of the best sides in MLS right now. I'll take the point. Um the uh the other things that we have uh from this uh one second. The other things that we have from this week, uh you showed me this amazing Orlando uh um the Orlando uh, city April Fool's video. Oh, so good. Phenomenal. Please, everybody, go take a look at this if you haven't already. The other thing uh, that we can note briefly is that um, the that the opponent for the, the 2019 MLS All-Star Game has been announced. It's Atletico Madrid. Um, I had this, I made this point uh, in Haller last year that, that I don't think that bringing in European sides is necessary for the all-star game anymore. MLS has enough of its own stars. Um, there are athletic Madrid is a great side with, um, with great players, but at the same time, what you saw with Juventus is that so many of the, the great players are not crossover stars. Anyways, no Griezmann, maybe uh, 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 he's great. I'm not trying to put down anybody, but at the same time, it's like, I don't get what you gain. I don't know what the U.S. fan base of Atletico Madrid is. And if those players even come. And I I think you made this point and many others have had too. I I think there's a way bigger appetite in MLS for an East versus West Coast all-star game. Absolutely. Don't bring... Don't... Don't... Like, if you want to schedule a friendly, um, you look at the International Champions Cup... I think that what teams, what MLS should be doing, it's tough because it's the summer, right? And, right. And nobody loves to nobody loves to play games during the summer when when they're in the middle of their competitive. Why run. don't they do it at the beginning at the, of the season as like a preseason thing? 
because it's not Europe because it's it's the European preseason, right? And theirs is the dollar that matters in this particular case. But you saw, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think um, uh, NWSL um, last year for the women's side of the 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 International Champions Cup um, put North Carolina in there. Uh, and the courage were able to line up against teams like PSG and stuff like that. And I think that if you want to have European, if you want to introduce, if you want to put MLS players next to European players, bring in, like, like make more efforts to have friendlies against full teams. Yeah. I would say. But, but, but then people hate the full team friendlies anyways. There's, maybe there's no great way to win it, but I don't think the All-Star game is the way to do it. True. Until next week, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and I almost said that's so MLS on Instagram at that's so MLS. You can find this podcast at that's so MLS.com on Apple Podcasts and wherever fine podcasts are found. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find yeah. you online? You can find me at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Uh, I am an editor at Howler Magazine, whatahowler.com. If you go to my social media in the next week, it probably, (laughs) I'm going off to New York. So uh, I'll still be able to check in next week. Um, But the soccer content might not be high. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to Broadway, baby. We're going to Broadway. Um, Until next week, unsubscribe to Red Card Weekly. (laughs) 